Hi, and thank you for joining us today on I Don't Want to Leave. I'm your host, Tom Rouse, and we're going to take a road trip down memory lane today because today's episode is called The Long, Long Road to Nowhere. So let's get started. Join us, won't you? I Don't Want to Leave podcast where I share musings, writings, blogs, music, and more. I'm your host, Tom Rouse. You never know what you might hear, so stick around and I hope you enjoy. I had one more job. It was late spring in 1989, and my business was in the tanks. My partner had left the business some months before, and my one and only employee, Clark, was helping me on this final job, detailing a fully restored 1948 Rolls-Royce complete with rumble seat. As we were working on the inside, with the paint job being so fresh there was no wax going to be applied for some time, I asked the owner what his plans were for this fine ride. Oh, I've sold it already, he replied. Some rich dude in Jersey bought it for his son's birthday. Wow, how do you plan on getting it there? Asking a question that I would ultimately come to regret. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't know yet. Feeling the pressure of my failing business, I asked the fateful question. Can I take it for you? Make me an offer and I'll be glad to consider it, the owner answered. Now let me make this clear. I had no business acumen. This detailing business was the first time I had ever ventured into this area. I had known nothing but music and church ministry. I had recently left the position of full-time youth minister in a large church when my friend approached me with the idea of taking car washes to the people needing them. I had a nice little Datsun pickup and figured that would be a great premise for a mobile business. So I got a business loan and bought the necessary equipment. The initial prospect was that my friend would run the business. I was the financier, a silent partner, and together we would work every day cleaning cars at people's homes and businesses. Sounds like a great plan, right? Oh, at first things went along great. We started getting busy, got a great contract with a repo man, and word started to get out about these guys that would come to where you are and clean your ride. Then one day, as the financier, I asked to look at the books. My friend had assured me that he knew how to run a business. To be fair, he knew detailing. He made some rough-looking vehicles look quite brand new. But he didn't know business. He kept putting me off on my request to see the books. When I finally got them, there was nothing there. Thankfully, he had kept receipts, but we had no idea where we were as a company. I stayed up several nights going through everything, trying to figure out what was happening on the business side of things. 
After getting all that straightened out, I told him I would no longer be a silent business partner. Well, my friend was not happy. It took a few months, but he finally decided to walk away, leaving everything to me. I couldn't close the doors because we had obligations and we had one employee. So my employee and I kept working until we came down to this one last job. After we finished the rolls and got paid, my employee left and I went home to get to work on a quote for delivering this unique automobile to its new owner. My first thought was to call a transport company and get an estimate. Smart, right? Well, I thought so, but remember, I had no idea what I was doing. I got that quote and called another. After several quotes, I felt I had an understanding of what it would cost for transport. I couldn't have been more wrong. Well, my first thought after getting the quotes was, if I can call these companies, so can the owner of the Rolls-Royce. So if he gets these prices, then I need to give a lower estimate so I can get the job. Okay, admitting all this makes me feel quite stupid now, for several reasons. Mainly, these transport companies haul multiple vehicles at one time, and they make several stops, which means several payments. And I would only be hauling one vehicle... Plus, they already have all the permits and insurances needed to do such a thing. Of course, I didn't think about any of that at the time. It was only months later that it would hit me and I would just shake my head and groan. So I confidently approached the owner of this one-of-a-kind vehicle with a quote that was several hundred dollars less than a transport company would charge, and he readily, or should I say greedily, accepted. And thus began the long, long road to nowhere, a road that would be the demise of my business, almost destroy my marriage at the time, make me fear for my life, lose friendships, and almost lose my sanity. You think I exaggerate? Well, just hang on, listener. Just hang on. This is my true story. And as I mentioned earlier, I drove a little 1982 Datsun diesel pickup. It's a diesel. It can haul a two-ton 1948 Rolls-Royce from South Mississippi to New Jersey. No problem. So, I went to another friend of mine that owned a tire shop. My truck needed a heavy-duty tow hitch. They made a good deal on installing one for me. Thankfully, the owner of the Rolls had paid me up front, so I had ready cash. No problem. While there, I noticed they had a small trailer sitting out front with a for sale sign on it. How much, I asked. And think it can hold a 48 rolls? He told me the price, adding, Well, it held a small bulldozer. This trailer had a frame made with three inch steel tubing and a center tilting deck made from one inch angle iron, and it had held a small bulldozer. No problem. 
While they were installing the hitch, I saw my wife's car pull up in the parking lot. I walked out to where she was and she rolled down the window. She was crying. I never saw her cry. Please don't do this, she begged. Do what? This trip. Please don't take this trip, she begged again. Why not? I stand to make a good deal of cash and hopefully save the business. It's wrong. I don't know why, but it's wrong. For our sake, please don't take this trip. I'm sorry, but it's too late. I've already committed to it, and I'm doing it, I sheepishly responded. I guess she realized there was no reasoning with me, and she left. I didn't see her again until later that evening when I had completely reached the point of no return. After the hitch had been installed, I paid my friend, hooked the trailer to my little Datsun diesel pickup, and puttered back to where the Rolls-Royce, that one-of-a-kind vehicle, was waiting for me. No problem. My plan at this point was to load up the vehicle and hit the road that evening so I could be in Jersey by daybreak. I had already spoken to another friend who would be my wingman, so to speak, and ride along with me so we could drive nonstop. No problem. I arrived back at the shop in late afternoon and we began the process of loading this one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce onto the trailer I had purchased that had once held a small bulldozer. No problem. Well, I backed up to the car, locked the brakes, released the tilt on the trailer deck, and lowered it to the ground. The owner got in the rolls, cranked it up, and slowly moved toward the trailer. The front wheels connected and began to creep up the deck. However, about halfway up, the rear end of the deck tilted up as the front wheels of the car hit the middle of the deck and moved the front down. When that happened, the rear of the deck jammed up into the rocker step underneath the sides of the vehicle, blocking the rear wheels. We had the car back up and try again, but the same thing happened. We could not get the car onto the trailer. So I had another brilliant idea. We would take boards and place them partially on the trailer and partially on the ground behind it. That way, the rear wheels would be on the boards by the time the front wheels got to the middle of the deck, keeping it from tilting it up in the way. No problem. We tried it, and it worked. For about 10 seconds. The boards held, and the rolls was up on the tilted deck for just a moment, until the deck melted underneath it. The rear of the deck stayed on the ground while the front slowly drooped until it was back on the frame. I was stunned. I had just bought this trailer that had once held a small bulldozer. And it was only later that I remembered that there is such a thing called the center of gravity. A small bulldozer would have a centralized center, and that one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce would have a divided center front and back. Well, I was at a loss, not sure what to do, so I asked to borrow a phone book and ran inside the owner's shop, desperate to find a trailer. I found one about 20 minutes up the road that I could rent. I unhooked my melted trailer and rushed to the other. 
After filling out all the paperwork, paying them the rental fee, and agreeing on the fact that I would be coming in late on Saturday when they were closed, I pulled out with my bigger, stronger rented trailer. No problem. As I pulled out onto the highway with my bigger, stronger rented trailer, I began to notice that my little Datsun diesel was having a bit of a problem getting up to speed, but I took no concern because it was a diesel after all and they're not known for great speed. So I drove on to load the rolls. No problem. When I got there, it was just starting to get dark. I backed up to the rolls and dropped the ramps. Oh yes, my bigger, stronger rented trailer had ramps too and the owner easily drove the rolls up the ramps onto the trailer. We chained it down to the trailer and covered it with a tarp. No problem. Now we were finally ready to go. I put that little Datsun diesel into gear and pushed the accelerator. Nothing. I pushed it to the floor and the engine began to whine, but the truck slowly began to move. Slowly and sluggishly, we made our way out onto the road. My truck was straining to the extremes as we slowly sputtered along the highway back to my place to get the final items needed for this trip. I had picked up my wingman friend earlier in the day to help with the final preparations and we began to discuss the very real possibility that my little Datsun diesel pickup truck would not be able to haul this two-ton, one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce to New Jersey. By the time we arrived at my house, it was an obvious truth. I had to find another truck. So my friend and I contacted another mutual friend who had a truck big enough to handle the haul. I made him the offer that if for some reason his truck didn't make it back, I would sign mine over to him free of charge. I was running out of cash and time. This one-of-a-kind Rolls-Royce had to be in New Jersey in the morning. Well, he agreed. No problem. When we finally got on the road, it was already dark, but we pulled on out. Now, my former business partner had heard about the rolls and wanted to see it. He talked me into meeting him at a truck stop so he could look at it. No problem. We met in the parking lot of said truck stop, and we uncovered this unique, one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce so my former partner could look it over. After showing it off, we went to cover it again, and my former partner suggested wrapping the rolls in the tarp and tying it off to itself instead of the tarp being strapped to the trailer. That should work even better. No problem. We left the parking lot thinking all of the issues were behind us so we could just drive to New Jersey and finally the nightmare would be over. But wait, there's more. The hits just keep on coming.
Now, this truck that I had borrowed uh, didn't have a working fuel gauge, so we had to plan our fuel stops by time and mileage. And I had thought the easiest route would be to travel east down I-10, then north on I-95 all the way to Jersey. At our first stop, somewhere along the interstate in the panhandle of Florida, I noticed something as we were pulling off the exit ramp. I saw our tarp flying in the breeze behind our trailer, just barely hanging on. We pulled into a gas station, and as my friend was fueling up, I inspected the tarp. It was in shreds. It was barely hanging on to a strap that had twisted under the tarp and was lying on top of this one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce's rumble seat. As I pulled the shreds of the tarp away, my heart began to sink. The more I pulled away the pieces of the tarp, the more I noticed that paint had been stripped away from the top of the rumble seat. As I uncovered the last of it, I saw to my horror a large oval of missing paint about two feet across, about one foot down. Not only was it missing paint, but there were nicks and notches all through the bare metal where the metal hook from the strap had fluttered in the breeze, battering the paint off of the rumble seat. I felt like I was going to be sick. I knew I did not have the money to cover this, nor the insurance, but... There was nothing to be done but go on and finish this long, long road to nowhere. I threw the tarp in the trash. It was useless to me anyway. We finished filling up and hit the road again. My friend would sleep while I drove and then we would stop for gas and switch places. We did this over and over through the night with no breaks other than gas stops until we arrived in New Jersey. We had actually made good time and arrived about an hour before the arranged meeting. We used the last little bit of my cash and had breakfast and napped a little before calling the owner of the vehicle and his customer. When I called the owner, I explained that I was out of money and would need more to get us home. He agreed. Well, why not? He was getting his unique, one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce transported to Jersey for about half of what he would have had to have paid a large transport company. But he wasn't really happy when I told him about the damage I had caused, but he took it in stride and said he would negotiate the cost of it with the customer. He then gave me the address we were to deliver it to, and I called the customer to confirm. No problems. We drove to a little lakeside community full of big houses for people with big incomes. The small lane wound past several of these before we found the one we were looking for. The new owners were in their driveway waiting for us. We pulled up, got out of the truck, and introduced ourselves. After the introductions were made, he began to examine the vehicle. I jumped quickly to tell him about the damage before he could find it. I didn't want him to think we were trying to hide anything. Do you have insurance, he asked. Insurance? It had never even crossed my mind. Uh, no, I finally answered. He wasn't happy. Well, he shouldn't have even hired you if you didn't have insurance. I'll take that up with him, he said. His inspection got more detailed as we pulled the car off the trailer and parked it in the driveway. 
His good mood seemed to diminish even more as he found more things wrong with the vehicle. He finally said, we need to make a call. He walked inside and got a cordless handset and called the man that had hired me. They talked for a few minutes. Well, argued would probably be more fitting. Then he handed the phone to me. Uh, uh, Hello, I answered. Well, I just wanted you to know that we've got things settled, and you'll need to find a Western Union when you leave there, and I'll have you more cash. Then he added ominously, Oh, I thought you might want to know. The guy you're dealing with, he's in the mob. Well, okay, have a good trip back. Here, I had damaged this man's unique, one-of-a-kind 1948 Rolls-Royce. And now I learned this? The mob? I felt like I'd been dropped in a bad episode of The Twilight Zone. My imagination began to run wild after all we had been through. Now they were going to drop the truck, trailer, and our bodies in the lake, and we would never be found. I'd never faced this kind of fear in my life. I'd never been in a situation like this, and it was my stupidity and stubbornness that had gotten me and my friend here. I slowly hung up the phone and asked the man if he needed us for anything else. He casually said, no thank you. I urged my friend to the truck. Luckily, he had already raised the ramps and we were ready. We jumped in and I deliberately did not fly out of there. I took it calm and easy. As much as I wanted to floor it, I made a slow regress out of the neighborhood explaining to my friend what was going on. He was speechless. I kept anxiously watching the rear view as we left. As soon as we were clear of that neighborhood, I did floor it. I got as far away from that lakeside community as quickly as I could. We drove for some time before we found a Western Union to get the money, which it turned out to be barely enough to get us home. No problems. After getting our money, I decided to cut the corner, so to speak, for our trip home. Instead of going south down I-95 to I-10, I decided to go southwest through the various states. Our first stop would be in West Virginia at another friend's place where we could shower and rest for a bit. Tired, scared, smelly, and ready to be home, we got into West Virginia and pulled over and called my friend. He gave us directions to his house and we headed that way. One of the last details of his directions was that we would cross a small bridge and then turn left. We found the bridge and crossed it. But as I was turning left, I looked in my rear view, only to see our bigger, stronger, rented trailer come up off the ground on the driver's side as the wheels rolled over the guardrail of the bridge. Thankfully, we were in the driveway of my friend's house, so we pulled in and stopped. I got out of the truck to survey the damage. 
One tire and rim were destroyed, and the fender covering both wheels was bent almost vertical. The next morning, after a few hours' sleep and showers, I got on the phone and found a small shop close by that could get us a rim and tire and beat the fender back straight. Well, sort of. With that, we were back on the road. From West Virginia to South Mississippi, the trip was actually, for the first time since I started on this long, long road to nowhere, uneventful. We arrived back in town late on Saturday evening. I paid my friend out of the little bit of money I had left, said our see you laters. I returned the trailer to the business I had rented it from and then returned to swap trucks with the friend that had let me use his. Deflated, defeated, and exhausted, I arrived home to an unhappy wife. On Monday morning, I got up to turn in the paperwork to the rental business I had gotten the trailer from. When they saw me, they said I owed for another two days' rental and damage to the trailer. I calmly laid the paperwork down on their counter, gave them the last $10 bill I had from the trip. Sue me, I said, and walked out. The long, long road to nowhere had finally dead-ended. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today on I Don't Want to Leave. And I hope you enjoyed the long, long road to nowhere. <laughs> uh, kind of a Murphy's Law kind of story that is actually true. Well, my name is Tom Rouse. And again, I certainly appreciate you being here with us and hope you will join us next time on I Don't Want to Leave. This episode is copyright 2023, Tom Rouse and Tomlin Productions. Thank you for listening.